Hello and welcome to No Direction's official PazoCon 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. Our coverage would not be possible without the help of our con staff, Paizo, and our patrons. Find more seminar recordings at nodirectionpodcast.com. All right, uh, welcome to the Writing for Pathfinder panel. Um, so we have two different panels this weekend, one of which has already happened, uh, Writing for Starfinder. Basically, we have a whole bunch of different product lines for which we are always looking for new authors. Um, and one of the things that's really important is being able to find those individuals. That's partly on us. We certainly try and scout new talent wherever we can, including at shows like this. But a bunch of you might be saying, if you're here especially, um, I want to write for Pathfinder RPG. Awesome. Um, we all got into the industry in different ways. Uh, our colleagues did as well. It's just really important for us to uh, convey what we can of how you can get into uh, writing professionally um, and getting your, inf- uh, getting your work out there and hopefully working on some stuff that we work on too. Uh, did I see that? I'm sorry, can you guys just we're just about to. Oh, we're okay. about to. Are we going to start? <laughs> no. Shh. Preamble. This is, <laughs> no, this is yeah. part of the, the, yeah. Yeah, the in a world this where is the people scene write the for us. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. <laughs> then they go missing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gee. <geez. laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, I'll go and start off on that. Uh, my name is John Compton. I'm the organized play lead developer, which means that I work on all things Pathfinder Society and Starfinder Society, and um, up until recently, also some Pathfinder Adventure Card Guild, although Linda Zayas Palmer, Palmer now handles that. I'm Patrick Rini. I work on the uh, Pathfinder Adventure Path line. Uh, Ron Lundin, I also work on the Pathfinder Adventure Path line, and if I were sitting in this chair, that's as far apart as Patrick and I sit on our normal working yep. day. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you're, you're, like, within sneezing distance of me. Uh, all I have to do is punch a cue. Yeah. <laughs> All your books all the <laughs> this is part so of minis on the cube. Yeah. <laughs> this is a positive working environment. Here. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, or is more is more likely uh, Patrick being like, "Where's my where my turnover coming?" <laughs> yeah, that's right, somebody. Yeah. Oh, I gave you everything I need. Uh, this is me. Then I'll be going. No, he'll get it. Uh-huh. It'll be good. I'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah, just just be patient. <laughs> just be patient. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think this kind of breaks down into a couple different stages. One of them is getting noticed. Um, another one is getting your first assignment, and another big one is getting your second assignment. Um, these are, in fact, kind of different steps, and they involve slightly different mentality. Um, so I figure, let's just, uh, in addition to these introductions that we've just done, let's just go over how we got where we are, how we got into the freelancing business and, and the industry as a whole. Ron, okay. you want to start us off? So my first published RPG credit was in 1993. Um, And I'm increasingly gaming with people who are younger than my first freelancing uh, credit. uh, Anyway, um, but uh, after several years after that, not publishing stuff, I got involved with the uh, um, Living Greyhound campaign with the RPGA. I did some writing for that, sort of on a regional level, and then sort of the the global uh, adventures that they do was administrator in that. That's where I really started to do a lot of my initial um, adventure writing. I've, I've kind of kept in that and done some for the various cam- different campaigns that uh, um, Wizards of the Coast does, their Adventures League I've done some writing for. Um, my first uh, writing credit for Paizo was a Pathfinder Society adventure. At the time we were doing a, uh, the, Paizo was doing an open call. Um, my submission was, rather than sort of, it's, it's, 
its own standalone adventure it was. I'd like to write a sequel to this adventure that already exists. And I'm, now I'm going to mess up. It was Tide of, Tide of Morning. Tide of Morning was the original number two. original one. And I wrote Tide of Twilight. Number 305. Which pulled pulled a lot of the, uh, some of the same elements, same theme, the same artifact thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, but I proposed... Uh, sort of a, not not a direct sequel, but sort of a successor to the, to that adventure. Mark Moreland liked it enough to give me a chance, um, and I I knew I was in the position that I think that you know, anybody that's a freelancer is like this is realizing this is the thing that really matters. Here's the one I need to hit out of the park, um, and when I did, um, uh, or I suspect that I did, in that Mark Moreland gave me lots more work after that, um, and as he moved from the organized play into the Pathfinder. Uh, Modules. Player companion work, and then the campaign setting work. Eventually, recommended me to James Jacobs, who was doing the adventure path. He gave me my first adventure path credit, um, and then I've been doing quite a, quite a number of adventure paths since when uh, Starfinder started. Um, right, right after Starfinder sort of was announced, and the Starfinder core book came out, I'm like, oh, I want to do some writing for that as well. Um, and then did some writing for a lot of the different uh, Starfinder lines, uh, starting with Pact World and then uh, Adventure Paths there and some of the back matter there. Um, so I'm still a, uh, a particularly aggressive freelancer. My focus in particular is on adventures. That's what I like the most, uh, is sort of telling stories and, and uh, putting adventures together for different settings. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I currently owe adventures to both of you. <laughs> 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 All right, <laughs> but that's that, and that's that. And then anyway, about a year and a half ago, um, I heard there's a Paizo development job opening up, and so I um, sort of ambushed Adam Daigle at uh, Gen Con. Said, "Hey, I'd like to apply for that. It's, it's an opening." Um, and now here I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, asking you shall receive, or it doesn't hurt to ask at least. Yeah, correct. That's that's the first step. Um, that's kind of how I got into this position. I knew from a very young age that I wanted to write uh, RPGs. I'd grown up playing D and D and other games, and was just like really into it. And uh, when Paizo released Rise of the Rune Lords, got really into that. And basically, throughout college, checked the Paizo.com website for uh, employment opportunities uh, every other week or so. Uh, saw they had an internship. I was still in college, kind of uh, very fortuitous timing. So I drove two hours each way to uh, Paizo three times a week uh, to do an unpaid internship for three months. And uh, they liked the work that I did for them for free enough to give me a job and pay me, um, which was a good step. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I mean, but it really is all about asking, I think, because as an intern, um, you know, a lot of, uh, we don't unfortunately do the internship program anymore, but I would hope that, I, I have hopes we will do that again someday. But uh you know, uh, uh, my boss at the time, Wes Schneider, didn't realize you know that I was interested in writing until I said, "Hey, can I? How do I? How do I write for you guys? I like this internship; it's great." Uh, and he said, "Oh, well, here's a monster. You know, a, a freelancer dropped the ball on this one. Can you write this over the weekend?" I said, "Sure." Wrote the monster over the weekend uh, and followed the, uh, the the core steps, which is be on time, be friendly, and uh, do the best work you can. And uh, yeah, he said, "Okay, good stuff. Let's keep it going." Um, so, yeah, I think Ron has a good point when he says there is that one assignment I think uh, I think we can all remember, the one where you're like, this is the one I need to really nail. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I spent all weekend working on that one, you know, two-page monster. <laughs> a bunch of Pisonians have uh, had extensive freelance careers before they started working mm-hmm. uh, here. I did not. 
Um, I came up through the organized play program, uh, specifically Pathfinder Society. I basically was a uh, volunteer GM there for a while. When they started up uh, venture lieutenant programs and whatnot, I became one of the uh, first ones of those. And more importantly, I was in the right place at the right time um, because Paizo started up its venture captain program uh, in, I think, late 2010. And one of the first of those was Mike Brock, who then became campaign coordinator about a year later. Uh, when he got hired on, before he left out or left for Seattle, he gathered his little cohort together and was like, "All right, let's determine what the campaign policy is going to be for the next year. Like, we're going to come up with all the programs. I'm going to push. Let's do this." Um, and so I had a, I was doing a whole bunch of like unpaid, uncredited sort of writing work at the time, which is not something in the long term I recommend. Um, we'll talk about exposure bucks later on. Uh, <laughs> And how landlords love taking rent and exposure. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, so many. Uh, but uh, eventually, Wes Schneider uh, contacted me and was like, all right, we sure are hiring for a part-time developer position. Is that something that interests you? person who is currently just doing a tutoring job. Yes, yes, it does. Absolutely. I'd be absolutely on board for this. Mind you, I had just, I was like a week out from turning in my first ever submission to Paizo. Uh, about that same time, they came back and was like, just kidding, it's a full-time position. We'd relocate you. I was like, okay, this is real magic. Um, and then I got in, uh, and, and thing, there's a lot of magic. There's a lot of sausage in the uh, sausage factory that is... Um, actually, actually, that comes across kind of weird. But <laughs> First off, this is why we have editors and developers. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but basically, the job is a tough one. We really appreciate the freelancers who can... Uh, pull through for us that we're not having to scramble at the last minute um, and oftentimes for a bunch of these products we're like, alright uh, this is going to be the weekend that I have to come in because I need to fix all the things so that we can get the book to you guys on time um, the less we have to do that, the happier we are and the more we're like, hey Patrick did you know that there's an absolute angel who's working for me who wants more work? <laughs> I'm like, who is this angel? Give them to me. By golly, here's yeah. the contact information. Um, sort of stuff so but basically, I came in through organized play, which is not a common route, but is absolutely one of them. And so I really want to get into uh, the, the ways that you can get noticed, uh, because being noticed that you can have that first uh, job in the first place is absolutely critical. So I mentioned organized play. Um, you can be doing uh, sort of uh, various freelance projects with different companies, mm -hmm. uh, which is really important. And then you can you have a portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, Feel free to jump in at any point, otherwise I have to. Keep I going. will jump in. Oh, so, yeah. um, there, with the with the ease of self-publishing these days, there's almost no excuse to not have stuff of your own out there to be able to recommend to anybody. There are also any number of third-party publishers who are looking for sort of eager writers in order to get stuff done. Um, in particular, as there become larger, larger, as it become there, there become more large systems with lots of people playing them. There's a lot of people interested in things that will sort of convert across. But if you're in a, if there's if you've got had no experience at all, but you want to develop some experience in Starfinder, then working for people who are converting stuff from Pathfinder rules to Starfinder rules, or from Pathfinder third-party publishers look for people to convert their their Pathfinder first edition stuff to second edition stuff. That's sort of where you can get reaching out to some of those third-party publishers in order to get that kind of work becomes a really good place to get some experience with with providing products to somebody else 
that are intended for commercial results. Um, and like I say, even if you can't get that, your own third-party publisher will tell you, be, where if you work as your own third-party publisher, do some self-publishing, that'll even the experience of getting something out in a sort of a final format, understanding sort of the steps that go through, is very important to getting the uh, uh, the job done. And, I mean, so a lot of a lot of self-publishing. I mean, I will make I will make sometimes as many as dozens of dollars on the uh, um, <laughs> stuff I write. But but Boy, I, I would pay so much exposure for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But the the fact that I I kind of had to see a couple of times what it took from getting an idea in my head. To sort of a formal presentation on paper, into layout, and that I mean that that whole process, the vet, that whole process was valuable for me to see. And uh, I mean, you, you talk about um, publication, just seeing all the process, but even the idea of being able to go to a publisher and say, "I have been through the process of taking something from beginning to end, or I know what is involved, or I have a track record of success," um, even if it's not working directly with you, this particular company is super valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can be just, uh, you know, even just you and some buddies, like, uh, I know I work a lot better when I have someone, you know, holding me accountable. That's one reason deadlines and uh, the carrot that is money uh, really work with freelance. Uh, you know, so if, if it helps you, you know, meet some, have some, make some buddies and say, hey, let's, once a week, let's put something out there, let's make a blog, a free website, whatever, put it on Reddit. I, you know, even that's like so good because you get used to doing regular deadlines, you get used to uh, taking criticism and incorporating that into your work. Being able to take criticism is key to being a freelancer for Paizo. Uh, and, and in general, yes, and in general, and just good for life, and uh, and you know b- being able to hit your deadlines. So getting used to that, if you can do that on your own, if you can do that with a couple buddies, whatever, that's uh, a really valuable skill and something we pay attention to. A uh, special thing that is available for Pathfinder in particular uh, is that there is a fan-made uh, magazine called Wayfinder that is now being done, I believe, just once a year. Uh, for a while, it was being done uh, two or more times a year, um, but it is a free. Uh, volunteer-run publication, but it's able to use um, our IP, so you can write about this country in Galarian and show us what your take on Ustalav is, or the Darklands, or whatever their theme happens to be for that round, and get some little publications in that you can then use to uh, leapfrog up to even bigger work. But it's also just a lot of fun to be able to uh, write some things in our setting that you don't have to worry about running through us as developers. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us as developers, who get to basically see a whole bunch of our products before they hit the shelves, so like six months later when we're finally getting our copies of the books, we're like, yes, but this is this is old to us. <laughs> All the Wayfinder stuff is completely new. Mm-hmm. We're like, ooh, oh, look, people have, these people have ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we see that consistently, we might reach out to you uh, through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, absolutely an option. But one of the other important things is that... Or did you want to jump in on Wayfinder? Yeah, the, the important thing, though, is that we are we rarely have the time to sit and page through a Wayfinder at our desks at our day job. Yes. So getting any published in there or whatever other, what other arena in which you're being published, it's important to us. The time that we'll see it is when you're trying to sell yourself to us, being able to say, this is what I've done. Let me show you. Let me give you some 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 short snippets, some some examples. Mm-hmm. We don't generally we're not interested in any sort of uh, um, example or sample that's more than about 500 words long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, when it comes to sending in words, uh, mm-hmm. Ron is absolutely right in that it needs to be something that we can realistically read uh, in between our other projects yeah. and, and get a good sense right off the bat. But uh, something that's really important for Paizo and probably a lot of other companies that you might work with. 
it's not universally true, is we don't really take pitches. We also don't take unsolicited text. So if there's an attachment that you send and you're like, I have made the first volume of this grand AP that I want to write the entirety of and you can pay me for it, it'll be great. Um, we can't open that. We will delete it uh, because of legal liabilities, among other things. Um, so it's important to know that you'd be kind of working within the system of what we are publishing and what we need to get out there um, rather than try to drag the company in a direction mm -hmm. that it's not currently going. Um, yeah, you are, you're, our freelancers, our freelancers aren't Rembrandt. They're house painters. Your assignments will be to write to spec. I, I want this house to be yellow and I want it to have purple trim. And if you're thinking to yourself, I think it should have a different color trim, you're thinking the wrong question. We want to see how well you paint a yellow house with purple trim for this one project we need before we give you the, sort of some of the more latitude to have some more freedom of which we're Although I, I, would, I would want to just uh, jump in on that uh, house painter, we want the yellow with purple trim thing, in so much as sometimes you might get an assignment where it's like something about this doesn't quite sit right and you might have questions about like the tone or theme or is this particular piece of it the best best decision could be contacting your developer in that case can bear fruit mm -hmm. um, because there might be a consideration that we had not considered in outlining it that is worth reconsidering mm -hmm. but that's a communication thing as opposed to a yellow with purple trim what was Ron thinking mm -hmm. I'm going to make it all green right. and then turn over <laughs> a green room and be like right. ah! Exactly. <laughs> You're proud of me, aren't you? <laughs> and, then, and then I just hear the tears from the other side of the cube wall. Uh, or, or very emphasized typing. Uh, so we want to make sure to avoid that. But uh, one other thing that I can think of as far as getting yourself out there uh, that is a step you've already taken is going to shows where we are and having a chance to make contact with us. Um, being able to introduce yourselves, being able to say, this is who I am, here's my quick elevator pitch, here's what I'd like to do. Uh, that's real handy. And there are two to three pieces that I look for. Um, I'll cover the ones that might be a little bit more unique to me, but I'm sure there's another that maybe you guys can expound on. I really love listening to what your special talent is or your weird background, because um, although we have a large company with many developers at this point with uh, strange backgrounds, um, there are so many more professions and hobbies and expertises that we don't have. And sometimes you might say something that is absolutely amazing and we're like, this is fantastic. At Origins last year, this is an anecdote that I find myself telling increasingly often, um, there was a player at my table, uh, or one of my tables, and I was like, okay, before we start playing and you introduce your characters, give me like 15, 20 seconds of who you are as a human being. I go around, it's like, cool, awesome, awesome, cool, great. Uh, like. I was born in the Philippines and lived there for a while. I just finished my PhD in Middle Eastern Studies. I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> have you ever considered writing uh, for like a game? I'm like, no, I don't know. Does Pathfinder really have anything that would have like an outlet for Middle Eastern Studies? Oh my god! As <laughs> I like fall over the table and hand a business card. But like, those are the little moments where it's like. You might not consider that your passion for sailing or your knowledge of hiking uh, mountains or the like is relevant to writing, but you don't know whether or not we have a nautical adventure or some sort of trek through the mountains coming up where your knowledge of the intricacies of crampons could come in handy. Um, so just give us something to remember you by in, that, in terms of that, because 
I met the person at the convention is one thing. I met the person at the convention who had XYZ talents, and I went, hmm, great, is fantastic. So that's it for that. That's important for me as far as conventions go. What about you guys? I think it's important not only to have shown, as we've talked about, some RPG writing experience, but people who've had other writing experience are certainly folks who've got a lot of value, right? If you're, you know, if you're coming up to me and saying, you know, I've got a lot of, uh, um, you know, I. I haven't done any RPG writing, but I've got some experience, you know, cosmic horror and, you know, you know that sort of, sort of environment. I'm like, oh, if we're doing something along that, that's just the kind of author that I could use for something. It is, it is sometimes more difficult to get a good game writer to capture a feel than it is to have somebody who is already very experienced in sort of a feel to sort of put sort of game writing on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and... It's, uh, yeah, just being, uh, you know, it seems obvious, but having strong writing skills and just foundational knowledge of grammar, uh, you know, I did newspaper all through high school and college, and I think that was vital because, again, you get used to deadlines, you get used to cutting things. Uh, one thing a lot of people don't uh, quite realize or maybe appreciate is that we fit things to the page. When we ask for 1,400 words uh, and somebody turns over 2,000, that's not a good thing. That's 600 words we have to cut. It's like, it's not extra that's like, oh, yeah, now you can pick and choose. Now I have to pick and choose. Um, I, you know, so... Uh, having those foundational skills, I think just writing in any field, really, if you've um, written a dissertation or something even uh, less, you know, children's books, whatever, uh, then I think uh, if, if you've had people read your writing and they say, I like this writing, that's uh, a really good uh, thing to have under your belt. You know, if you love to play Pathfinder, you love to run Pathfinder, you're like, I don't really plan, though, I don't really, when I GM, I just kind of freewheel it all. As I love your passion, love your gusto. I need to see some writing, though, because at the end of the day, we do sell books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely the case. Um, and also, you can uh, just email us directly if you are so inclined. Again, Don't give, send us attachments, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just give us sort of the brief overview of who you are, what you want to accomplish, uh, or what you want to be a part of. And then, again, just a couple of interesting facts to help us know, like, what how we could help place you. Um, we, we try to answer those emails as quickly as we can, but we are also usually in the middle of various things when the little ping happens, so we, we try to get back to them as, as much as we can. Um, and emailing us more than once uh, can be a good thing. I'll emphasize the can, and it's partly just a matter of frequency. Um, There's a sweet spot for sure. You know, like if I can't read five paragraphs in an email, usually, sorry, like I just got a lot going on. I'm sure they're great. Uh, but five sentences, yeah, okay, just hit me up, you know, and send me that. And if I didn't get back to you in two weeks or whatever, week, two weeks, just say, hey, did you get, just want to make sure it didn't get lost in the tubes. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Every other day saying, hey, did you see that? Just, hey, did you see that? <laughs> hey, here's the, here's the thing I was talking about, uh, you know. You, you may not know right. me, but you should. Right, that, yeah, <laughs> that triggers spam. Filters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anything else that we want to bring up for getting noticed? Because that seems pretty solid so far. Oh, I think oh, you're right. Just yeah, come up and good. say hey. Yeah. And yeah. I like your, your the point about same. I like the point about saying like you know yeah tell me something unusual about yourself yeah. Then there's one other thing I'd like to recommend, and that is having a business card. Mm-hmm. This is by no means an essential, especially if you have just gotten here and you're like, oh no, I didn't bring a business card. Now is not the time to scribble one out. Um, <laughs> but uh, being able to have a business card is great for us because uh, depending upon the show, we might meet a couple of people interested in writing. We might meet 50 people interested in writing. 
and being able to have some way of contacting you, of having a little bit of uh, space that I can write down, this was the person who liked hiking scenario, um, is really handy because by the time I get back from Gen Con, for example, my brain is shot. Uh, and I can at the very least see. Oh, great. A uh, little reminder. Um, and, I don't know, I have personal pet peeves as far as uh, business cards go, but you're going to get different things from everybody. So, I, I'd just go with something straightforward and professional, a little bit of art somewhere. If it fits in a wallet, that's good. If it, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking... Yeah. It's got a funny shape or something. Yeah. The funniest one I saw was it turned, it like came apart and turned into a D6, which, uh, clever, uh, chunky, and uh, a little obnoxious, though. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, a little bit of cute, sure, yeah. really cute. Um, yeah. Remember the purpose of a business card. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a. I mean, this is a profession you're looking to get into. Yeah, uh, we 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 take there. I mean, there are plenty of people in my life who sort of you know, oh you oh you write games, roll their eyes, right? But we take, mm-hmm. I mean, we take our profession seriously. If you're going to be freelancing for us, we we should take it seriously as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, as far as like. Uh, targeting what you want to be writing. Um, this is probably just a fairly quick point. Um, whatever it is that you want to be writing for us, uh, experience it. Um, this is something that comes up a lot for organized play in particular, where I'll have people coming to me and saying, you assign the, the shorter adventures that Paizo does. I would like to do the adventures that Paizo does. Okay, have you done any organized play? Because that's what you would be writing for. I, I need somebody who knows our format, knows the feel, has a sense of the community. Those are all really strong points in an author. So get out and experience the thing that it is you, that it is you want to uh, write. If you want to write our setting stuff, um, get to know our setting mm-hmm. and how we lay out our campaign setting books and things like that. Although admittedly, second edition's coming up. So that's that's changing a bit. But even so, you can be familiar with a lot of Paizo's philosophies and, and style just by reading these things and sort of internalizing some of the things that we do and don't do. Um, Maybe we want to talk about some of like the uh, projects that we usually try people out on. Yeah, I've got, uh, and I'm speaking a little bit on uh, on uh, Patrick's behalf here as well because we both work on the Pathfinder Adventure Path line. Um, if if you've looked at our adventure paths, we have a consistent. We have a monthly schedule. Um, every six months is one full adventure path. Um, each one has a, a, a two thirds of it is an adventure. There are a couple of uh, back matter articles that are about six pages long that might be Ecology of the Ghoul or, you know, some sort of gazetteer or sort of close look at a pretty cool organization or region. Uh, and then we have some number, you know, eight or, you know, six or eight or so monsters that are in the uh, in the back of the uh, adventure path. Um, we, we are taking the advantage of a new edition to change that up a little bit. So you know, let me let me back up and say, in first, so in first edition, there were always sort of lots of little pieces that we could farm out to people, even a six-page article, sort of a bigger piece that we could, you know, somebody did a monster or two, maybe try their hand at a six-page article. Um, <clears throat> I know Starfinder still does quite a bit of that. They've got a little you know, sort of world snippet in the back of their monsters and like. Um, one of the things that has come up over the course of the first edition Adventure Paths is that the amount of space that we have available in each of these six issues together lets us tell a story that takes PCs from first level to 16th or 17th level or so. And because we that's the space we have that we fill, so the reason is that's the space we have that we fill. And some people have gotten in their heads that that means we're afraid of high-level play or that we're not confident in 18th, 19th, 20th level. So one of the things that we're doing 
sort of tested it at the very end of first edition. What we're sort of thinking about consistently for second edition is to have all of our adventures go from first to 20th level. That's what we want to do. Age of Ashes is definitely going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that means is we're willing to sacrifice some of the material that's at the back mm-hmm. in order to make that the case. So between, between us, there's actually slightly less opportunity in the adventure path line to be writing. That said, there is still quite a bit of opportunity in uh, Starfinder for a lot of the same things, if uh, that's what interests you, but that's a different panel I know. And the, the, we, the, we've announced the world guide, which is sort of the showcasing our world. It would be, it, it would be the height of errant foolishness to assume that's all we're ever going to say about our world. So <laughs> certainly we're going to have more projects down the line that sort of expand more about not just what our world is like and has been like, but what has changed in the few, you know, the setting changes we had between first and second edition and the sort of getting freelancers to explore that in sort of a piece-by-piece kind of way is one of the ways that I know that some of our um, fellow developers are planning to get more people, more work. When we're trying out someone who's never written for us before, we assign small. Start small because the uh, the uh, the buy-in is you know equally small. You're not um, you know if you have a bad weekend or whatever and, and you can't get the writing in you know and you can't finish a 600 word monster. We're not totally hosed because it's only a one monster. We can write that uh, if it was a 40,000 word adventure, we would definitely be hosed. Uh, so we start you with you know generally, uh, and Ron was alluding to this uh, monster in the back matter of the AP is a good um, first big assignment, big, um, and uh, big as in like bigger than uh, RPG Superstar, for instance, where you kind of pitch a magic item and then you pitch a location, and then th- that ramps up uh, the same way, right? You start small with a magic item, 300 words or less, I think is the criteria. If you can write 300 great words, then yeah, let's, can you write 1,000 great words? We kind of push it, right? So, um, so if you, you know, a lot of people get into it and they like, ah, yeah, I got this great idea for a whole new campaign setting. That's, uh, I love that. That's great. Um, we can't take that risk just from a business standpoint. We can take the risk and say, hey, I like your gusto. Here's a monster. Um, and, and if I say, you know, you have a month to write it, you got a month to write it. Um, if I say you got, you know, I won't, I won't give anyone like a week to write something, but if you can write it in a week, that's pretty cool. Um, and, but if you can write great. it without sacrificing quality. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. That's Only right. if it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great on time and friendly. Those are the three things we're always looking for. Um, and yeah, we start small. I don't know. Was that yeah. on topic at all? Did I derail? I think, in, I think, and to spec. I mean, yeah. that's an important thing to spec. Yeah. We're not, we're not. You, you may have such a comprehensive mastery of the system that it is no problem for you to create a monster that's got mythic tears mm-hmm. added to it and can do several yeah. occult rituals and so on and so on. But if we're asking you to write a hill giant's pet, <laughs> just do that. Vido does many tricks. It's... It's typical, frankly, and I remember doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's typical to want to show your mastery of the system mm-hmm. by adding complexity to your to this first important assignment. And when we say, you know, you really got to sort of, you know, do really well and care a lot about your first assignment, it's not that you're showing off complexity. It's that you're showing off your ability to hit deadlines mm-hmm. and write to spec. You've, you've got sort of, you're able to show your ability to handle the technical elements as well as handle the, uh, the you know, sort of the more the more story elements, more lore-related elements, um, all of which makes a monster a great mm-hmm. thing to beginning. Um, but that's, but it's not, 
you, I mean, you can certainly wow us with your your hill giant animals that have occult rituals and mythic tears mm-hmm. later. Yeah. <laughs> Leave us wanting more, really. You know, it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh wow, this was a really great simple monster. I wonder what else they can do. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And to go off of that, yeah, save some of your good ideas because mm-hmm. if you do the first uh, project correctly, you'll have more projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. don't try and cram it all into that first scenario yeah. that I send you. Uh, I hope this doesn't sound scary, because we're always looking for great authors. We're always, yeah, like, we love hiring new authors and finding gems, and, I mean, yeah, so, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't sound like we're like, oh, you have to meet, you know, these criteria. It's like, you know, we're always looking for for writers. Yeah. Um, just to talk about a couple of the other um, uh, projects that you might do uh, early on. So I mentioned Pathfinder Society scenarios. Starfinder also has scenarios. But the ways that we really like testing out new authors are on our quests, a scenario is typically about ten to 12,000 words. A quest is more like 2,500. Um, so it's a single encounter with some setup, some conclusion. It tells a little story. Um, so as Patrick was mentioning, that's sort of a smaller footprint. So if something does go wrong, it's not as bad. But also what I found is that, especially when you're starting off as an author... 10,000 words is a lot. It's, it's a lot to handle, even in the seven weeks or so that we usually give you. Whereas trying something smaller is sort of a, oh, I can do this. Excellent. Um, I can... It's much more approachable. Um, and so Starfinder Society and Pathfinder Society have released those in the form of quest packs, where we combine four to six of these quests into one big package that tells a cohesive story. Pathfinder Society, in second edition, though, is going to be releasing standalone quests every month. Uh, which is much more of an opportunity to um, just say, okay, um, here is a quick little snippet. You don't have to tie it into anything else. You don't have to collaborate with anybody else in this group. Just give me a little cute standalone quest. Or even, later on down the line, once we've more, we're more established in this, it might even be a situation where we can start to pitch things or reopen an open call, um, which is always lovely to have. Um, so those are some other opportunities. Um, you mentioned the Starfinder has the little world snippets in the back of every adventure path, roughly 400 words to introduce a new world that we have never described before. Done. Mm-hmm. Nice first project. Um, I, it's, a, it's, an, it's not an ideal first project, though, I'll, I'll insist. Because although it's going to show your clarity and writing and mastery of the lore, uh-huh. it doesn't give it doesn't allow you to showcase your rules knowledge the way something like a monster or here's some spells or you know here's a new archetype might. Although, riffing off of that, if you have a sense of where your strengths lie or your interests lie, understand that you don't necessarily have to commit yourself to writing every type of product line or every type of rules thing. If your thing is, I would like to write campaign setting lore and only touch on the rules elements here and there, that's totally fine. Um, if you want to just write the crunchiest monsters that um, you know the tw- core 20 gods have ever laid eyes on, uh, that is good for us to know as well. Even and- Asmodeus? <laughs> Even Asmodeus, yeah. Um, so, um, so sometimes one of those planet entries might be the ideal thing if that's the style of thing that really appeals yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, something that people really overlook often is the adventure card game. Um, the, adventure car, the Pathfinder Adventure Card Society uh, releases these scenarios and adventures every month. And basically, you write a little bit of uh, intro text to this adventure... Uh, you give a couple of quick suggestions for the rules mechanics. We send it off to our uh, designer, who will then 
do all the finishing pieces on it. But uh, you're basically writing a little story that's a narrative theme that we fit Adventure Card Guild society, uh, Adventure Card Guild mechanics around, and it's a nice, um, it's a nice way of getting your feet wet uh, in a product line that a lot of people usually don't think of as an option for uh, Paizo. Which, in fact, is something that people around the office are often scrambling to be like, oh, suddenly I need these 2,200 words. Uh, who can do that, right? So knowing that we've got freelancers have expressed some interest in that sort of sort of quick snippets of adventure-type writing is, is helpful for us. It's, I mean, it fills a need that we have. I'd be up for taking questions. Uh, I'd just like to real quick uh, cover that, let's say that you have written your first project for us, what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things is uh, you'll get varying amounts of feedback throughout the process. Um, we of, I oftentimes try to focus on feedback during the writing process so that you can course correct if you need to or know that what you're doing is right. Um, I'm not as good at giving back-end feedback once you have finished the assignment as out in the wild. But even if you're not getting that feedback or you can you know, contact the developer directly, that's totally fine. Um, you can talk to us at the show. Um, but also, you can look at the final product and compare it to your turnover and see, okay, this scene changed a whole lot. Can I kind of figure out why that happened? This scene was largely the same. Uh, okay. And, oh, all of my future tents got removed. I wonder why that is. Well, okay, there's a reason. But, uh, but those are the sorts of patterns that you can recognize doing a little bit of self-reflection that can help you to improve as a writer, even if you're not getting the full level of feedback that uh, you would like to have from your developer. Um, that, that said, with the caveat that our job as a developer, as we mentioned, is to fit things to a page. And if you're looking for the, the, your favorite paragraph and a turnover you've given and that paragraph is gone, it might not be because that paragraph is bad. It might be because the art on that page is an angel with wings out to this and holding two swords like this, and we just couldn't fit as much technology <laughs> as we hoped. Right. That's an excellent point. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. There, there are so many circumstances behind the scenes that shape what we can and can't put in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it has nothing to do with quality. It's, you know, so in fact, we maintain sort of like pieces we had to cut that are really good that we want to find some other home for. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the copy fitting is a harsh and cruel master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Demand sacrifice, sacrifice, mm-hmm. sacrifice. And there's a, it's a weird like curve when it comes to feedback, for me at least, is uh, if I give you uh, no feedback at all, that's a pretty good sign, actually. It means, well, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, uh, it means I didn't have to change anything or I had nothing to say sometimes. Um, if I give you a lot of feedback, that also is a good thing because it means you're this close to having it perfect. Or that you're somebody that we really want to invest that yes, right. Exactly, right. yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, and, and always, and don't take it personally, please, I, I get feedback all the time. I work with these guys and they give me feedback. Um, trust me. <laughs> I have some words for you. I know, I know. <laughs> take, we'll take it to the cube. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it, uh, sometimes, I'll, you know, I'll say back, you know, uh, thanks so much for your submission. Here's your paycheck. Uh, you know, uh, but I'd like you to work on these things reach back, you know, come back to me in six months, a year, whatever, after you have a couple more credits, you know, I want to see, I want to see you out there doing other stuff. I want to see you committed to this. Um, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out the first time, that's not the end of the world. Um, it's just, uh, it's just a pause. And, you know? and if you really, it's up to you as a potential freelancer to determine how much you want to be writing. Mm-hmm. Like some people are, want to make this as much of a full-time job as they can. 
other folks are like, I think it's really cool that once per year I have my name on a thing. <laughs> and it makes me feel warm inside and, oh, look, a little bit of extra money. Um, if you're looking to be uh, published fairly frequently, um, definitely keep in mind that Paizo is not the only company that's hiring writers. Um, it can be really good to develop uh, professional connections with a wide range of folks, uh, including a whole bunch of third-party publishers, so that um, not only are you continuing to get your name out there and continuing to uh, earn money for your writing, but you have a wider network of people who can vouch for you when you say when you voice an interest in a more ambitious project. Um, that's yeah, there's no rivalry in that regard. If, yeah. if you don't want to tell us that you've been writing for 5th edition D&D, get over that. We're happy to hear. Mm-hmm. I write for 5th edition yeah. D&D. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <Uh-oh>. I- <laughs> well, on that note. I guess that brings us to a getting your second job. <laughs> so so one, once you've uh, turned in that thing and you've uh, hopefully gotten some feedback, it's perfectly appropriate um, after we've been, after Patrick says, thanks for writing the thing. Use fewer semicolons. <laughs> Bye. Um, to contact him back and be like, this was really cool. I would like to do more of this. Uh, please keep me in mind for future projects. Um, and if you want to provide some more detail like, after doing this project, I would really like to work on investigation adventures, or I think Ustalab's pretty cool. Whatever it happens to be, to give us a little bit of like direction. When we think of Ustalab, we're like, wait a second, I got an email about that four months ago. Oh, right, that person liked Ustalab. All right, sure, done. Um, that, that can help out. Um, so just reminding us that you want to continue doing this is, is helpful. Um, and... Also, you're, we'll, we'll get into, a, I'm going to get into a little bit of a uh, more politic uh, point, in so much as uh, the book will eventually reach the public. That's awesome. People will then read your words. People will probably read the words that you wrote that are combined with the words that your developer added and or uh, changed in the editing process. There's a possibility that what's out there no longer matches your hashtag the vision. <laughs> um, it might be that we change the number on that feat you wrote, or it no longer is the be-all, end-all of wielding five greatswords with one pinky. Um, you know, whatever it happens to be, people might even get you know cross at what we published or what have you, and it might even be tied to something that you wrote. <laughs> These are things... By golly, fans have opinions. Um, you know, it can be really easy um, to step away from the professional person that you are and either leap in to defend your work or provide behind-the-scenes but not fully solicited. That wasn't what I wrote. Right. I wrote and something that, better. That, that was going to be my third point okay. of or kicking the developer under a bus. Yeah. Um, that shows that, that can illustrate varying levels of maybe you are not the professional that we thought you were and it, that working with you is sort of a fraught proposition. So being able to not only take feedback from the people that you work with but also from the people who are consuming your work is really important and being able to handle any of that feedback graciously is a, a really important uh-huh. stage of things. So, if we're, in terms of getting that second assignment, um, showing that you can handle the, the aftermath of the first assignment is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and can be a, a stumbling block for some folks. Mm-hmm. It's good to be chill. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Patrick says very nonchalant. Yeah, right. yeah, that's good. <laughs> two, two quick points I'd like to oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, the first is, as, as far as the professionalism point goes, is, is asking questions. 
certainly if you've got some sort of confusion with your assignment or you don't understand what's going on, then reaching out to your developer to ask once you've got something, hey, well, Ilya, how did, how did you want this handled, mm -hmm. is, is, certainly, is certainly a good practice. The best practice, and this is sort of professionalism generally I've found, whenever you're asking a question, is pose an answer to show that you've thought about it. Mm -hmm. Even if your advanced answer isn't right, saying, hey, you know, hey, Ron, did you really want this house to be yellow with purple trim? Mm -hmm. Because they're, you know, posing on the color spectrum and yellow with mm -hmm. blue trim might be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Maybe the answer is, that's great. I'm glad. It's clear that you thought about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what, please do that. But it might be, no, 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 we've got the blue houses covered. That's, that's what we're doing. So this we is have, how we, we have leftover art of those yellow houses. We have leftover yellow and purple yeah. art, yeah, that we need to have. Um, so, so whenever you're posing a question to us, it is, it is don't, be, don't be afraid of asking questions that you have about your assignment. Better even, ask questions and demonstrate in your asking that you've thought about it, that you put some thought into it. If we can just go... This or this, that's awesome. Yep. That Th saves thumbs so up or thumbs down yeah, for yeah. those listening in. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you can, yeah, like Ron's saying, if you can pitch a solution to a potential problem you see, we can just say, yeah, great solution, or nah, keep working at it, or right. whatever, yeah. Right. Um, and the, the second thing that I wanted to point out is to plug my blog. <laughs> um, so I've got, I've got a blog that I've started. It's, I mean, my third party print is called Run Amok Games, and so runamuckgames.com. Um, has a blog where one of the things I've been talking about a lot in the past couple of months, a couple times a week, is about uh, specifically freelance adventure design, but sort of freelance, uh, but sort of adventure design, but also writing generally. And I recently put up sort of this four-part sort of analysis about you being a freelancer, right? How you get your first job, what you do, what to do when you sort of run into stumbling blocks along the way, and what you do afterwards. So. Um, I I, I, I don't know how much you need to look at that because a lot of these points are exactly what we've been covering here. But uh, my blog's got some. I mean, anything as silly as here's how you draw angles, an angled corridor to here's why villains ought to be monologuing. Here's why you know so on, so on, so on, so on. Nice plug. Thank you. Uh, so I, I think we're uh, it's good for us to move on to some quick questions and answers. I want to get a couple uh, points of order. First off, uh, I don't know if we have a follow up. Uh, Panel in here, so we'll need to clear out. In which case, we'll hang out near the end of the hall. Okay. We're happy to answer more questions. Um, but uh, one other point on uh, professionalism and communication: uh, timing. So deadlines are important. First off, great, awesome. But if there's ever a situation where you think that you might be too busy to accept work, mm -hmm. um, or that you are going to be running late on something, the earlier and more honest you can be about it, the better. So saying, I can't accept this project right now because, you know, you need to provide an answer, uh, but try me in a couple months, is great information because now we have a sense that you know what your limits are and you're not going to flake on us because you are juggling five things at once. Um, and if for some reason uh, you need more time, we might be able, might be able to provide like some sort of extension or work with you to make, make things work out. Um, and, you know, a little bit of Sometimes a little bit of context is helpful. Like Owen sometimes talks about how he got uh, an email being like, "Hey, my house got hit by a tornado. It destroyed my computer. Can I get this turnover to you two days late?" And Owen's like, <laughs> "Absolutely." <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, what, what, whatever it happens to be, just keep us in the loop so that we can plan ahead for our job uh, in the expectation of your work coming in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but at the, but at the same time, I had a very a very good friend of mine who not long ago called me on a Sunday to say, I've got with 2,000 two words due to Patrick tomorrow uh, and I've not done them and I'm not going to be able to get them in. I'm like, 
understood the sooner you tell him the better. Mm-hmm. Wish you'd have told him sooner than this. We'll, we'll do what we can, but don't expect to write for Paizo again, right? To drop a big assignment the day it's due to say, I'm just not getting it done. I mean, that's that's a level of professionalism that, that we can do. Yeah. If I assign something the day after I assign it, you say, I took on way more than I could choose. Sorry, I tried to write last night, couldn't do it. That's, you know, that's better than, uh, yeah, the day before it's due, yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, folks have any questions? I'll get things started. Sure. How, how many emails back and forth would there be on a best year of the entry? Ooh, good, good question. Uh, I would prefer no more than um, I will give you feedback on your milestone, and you will say, that's great feedback. Thank you. I will incorporate it. Um, like Ron's saying, if, there's, you know, if you have a question that you're like, well, you asked for this monster, but actually that monster, you know, uh, you asked for a demon that's not immune to electricity, dude. Are you sure about that? Or whatever. Um, you know, that's fine if, if I can say like that. If I can read it quickly, that's fine. Uh, when I get five questions in one email, not a fan of that um, just because of time. I would love to, you know, if I had all the time in the world, I would love to answer those, but uh, I hire, you know, dozens of freelancers uh, and kind of interact with them every day, so it's a timing issue. Yeah, don't expect more than one or two feedback emails, I would say, for me at least. Um, the email, Some of the emails I particularly appreciate receiving are the ones that are like, I'm trying to figure out how to solve this problem in terms of wording or mechanics. Have we done anything like this before? <laughs> because one of my strengths as a developer is I can usually point to like five examples of what we have done over the past decade and be like, yes, absolutely. In addition, I'll get those two things added to your down- downloads, which brings up a point um, when you're working for us. Um, and you were writing about something, we will provide you uh, PDF versions of any of the important background reading. Um, so, All of the important, I mean, if you're writing a I've sometimes had to, to go ask customer service, give somebody six products, yeah. just because they each of them had a piece mm-hmm. of something that was important for them to be writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to make sure that you're able to do the research that's necessary for the project, and we kind of expect you to do the research <laughs> for the thing. Um, it'd be unfortunate if you wrote about psychopomps, we sent you six things about psychopomps, and you read one of them and said that'll do um, and then wrote something that ends up conflicting with our canon that's it's a bummer. that could be problematic especially if it slips through um, Patrick used a term that might, everybody in the room might not be familiar with when you give an assignment for us you're sometimes given as many as three different due dates um, the outline if it's lengthy and we want you to think some more about how you're going to be breaking out you might have an outline due date which we'll review and get back to you the milestone is roughly half of your assigned word count it's the time that you need to show us that you're making some appreciable progress on it and that we can make important course corrections and then there's the final turnover deadline. Not every assignment will have all three of those, um, but m- most have at least a milestone and a, and a final turnover. Yeah, does that help? Yeah, that's what I was Oh, okay, perfect. You alluded on different, different things, uh, timetables around uh, submissions or, you know, is it pretty standardized where uh, a 300 word is X, a uh, 2200 word is Y. Is it really kind of that formulatic, or is it based upon what's what other pressures? So is there a lot of right I'm watching the door in case our project manager bursts in to say, yes, yeah. the developers <laughs> must get it assigned X days prior to... That's the most forceful I've ever heard Gabe speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true, actually. In an ideal world, yes, yeah. there would be X, Y, Z. Uh, things happen. People drop the butt. Like, for instance, uh, you know... A good someone... friend of mine who just doesn't turn his stuff yeah, in on the yeah. it's due. Or, or right. I had to reassign that, and yeah. I needed it quicker than I would normally require it, yeah. Or it could be that, like, 
we would normally have this uh, size of a project have X amount of time, but because we were uh, because there were complications in the previous product, the date by which we were able to outline it was pushed back some. So for to make our original timetable, we need to compress several stages, like maybe a little bit less editing, a little bit less development. That might be a little bit less writing time. But um, for Pathfinder Society scenarios, pardon me, um, with rare exceptions, you're going to have six to seven weeks to write it from start to finish. And we'll always tell you how much time you have, and yeah. And yeah, and, and do you have a problem with any of these dates? Right. And if one of them yes. is, oh, you know, my sister's getting married on that date, and I'm going to be helping out with the wedding, can I push it a week later? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for, yeah, for an adventure path adventure, I think we give 12, 12 to weeks 16 in weeks. A beautiful world, yeah. 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 Yes. Um, so for someone with a, like a different type of writing background, maybe in comics or screenplays or something, mm-hmm. would you recommend that they take the time to do more of this current project before approaching you guys? Like, is it very, very important to you to have RPG writing experience or with Pathfinder, or if you have other projects that are really similar? Like, is um, it still working? So, so long as you've been doing some writing. Yeah, but like not professionally published writing. That that that's can still form an interesting portfolio. Mm-hmm. If you can point okay. us to some representative, like if it's webcomic, for example, links or the like, okay. um, that can be a good first step. And we can okay. say, oh wow, this person has X many pages of this. Yeah. That's pretty dang cool. Um, maybe they would be a good fit for this sort of thing. Okay. Um, and again, it's the sort of thing where um, g- give us some samples and let us know what your aim is. Um, so if you show us some com- a webcomic and you're like, I would like to write an adventure path volume right off the bat, that might be a little ambitious. But if, <laughs> if it's, I would just like to do some writing in general, what would you recommend from here? We might be able to provide some guidance. Okay. Um, so any writing is, well, virtually any writing is good writing. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. I was just wondering if there's a certain uh, cycle for the year in terms of when you need more freelancers and when you don't, mm. and how that might line up with my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I think AP author or AP yeah. developers have some good insights here. Yeah, we have. I mean, we 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 assign all of the AP writers for an adventure path at once. Yep. So. I mean, I kind of, I'm, I kind of, and because we alternate who's in charge of which AP, I kind of make precisely six assignments a year, and I do it all on the same day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you, you also just made six yeah. assignments all yeah. on the same. And we day. do them well in advance. And uh, yeah, in a perfect world, it would be like clockwork, you know, and it would be, uh, I think, equidistant. Like every six months, we would assign another. And I think that's our ultimate goal, you know. Uh, so. Uh, but yeah, it uh, they, they move. They do move. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have a good answer for well, that. I'm right, afraid, yeah. and, and they move. They move to become later than we would like yeah. if we have some more complicated things going into a uh, a, a background. Right? We need to develop some sort of subsystem for the AP, or we have executive input that we need, but they're out of the office for whatever lofty things executives do. Um, <laughs> but it's but it could be sooner if, in fact, we want to get you know we we we're on it in order to tie it with a particular type of project. So it can it can shift quite a bit. Generally speaking, for the organized play people, they are harder to contact. I'm speaking on John's behalf now. They're harder to contact during the summer, during the big convention season. Um, That was my experience when I was doing that kind of writing. Writing in fall and winter always seemed to be a little more productive for me. We end up assigning a lot of our PaizuCon, Origins, Gen Con, etc. adventures uh, sometime between January and April. Um, 
And so because of the volume of adventures that we release for those shows, we have slightly more opportunities then. However, particularly for Gen Con, where we are, and, and to an extent Origins, where we are launching things, that first taste of what the what that new season is about is really important and occasionally delicate. So we tend to, during that time period, look to our most experienced authors because these are very load-bearing, strategic adventures. Okay, I'll get um, you the adventure, John. They <laughs> <laughs> come with very load-bearing, strategic, pre-generated characters. Uh, so, uh, these the, 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 the uh, figurative knives that we like holding off to each other's throats because it, uh, it's it gives us life. So, um, but uh, overall org play is um, overall org play is assigning all throughout the year. Um, we might go like a month without much because we're just sort of stacking up several months to assign all at once because of whatever production holdups. Um, but it's fairly regular. Yeah. Yeah. And APs are twice a year for the adventures, and but we do space out the monsters. Or at least I try to, you know, because those are generally they don't take. 12 weeks to write 600 words. If it does, we need to talk. Um, <laughs> those better be awesome words. <laughs> but, but one thing that's important to note is that there are many product lines going at Paizo, and even if one or two of them are not hiring writers at a given time, several others are. Yeah. So you might email uh, Ron, for example, and say, is there anything I can write for you? And Ron might say, last month I assigned everything. Uh, I will have nothing more for 2019, uh, for example. But I can pass you to several others who are currently getting ready to assign stuff. Which is where it's helpful if you've communicated to me your interests or your abilities because we talk a lot. I mean, in that we're, as we show, we work very, very close confines with each other. But it's, you know, hey, does anybody know anything particular about, you know, we're going, we're writing something about the Moangi Expanse. Does anybody have any sort of, you know, African cultural history or knowledge? You know, any freelancers you guys know? Oh, well, I met so and so at uh, Gen Con. And I mean, yeah. that's the kind of thing we all talk we often, yeah. All right, so uh, we got a five-minute warning just a couple minutes ago. I figure, is there one more quick question we can take? If not, I'm happy. Yes? Yeah, you said we can email you all directly. Uh, what are those email addresses? Oh, boy, business cards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we tried to get it. <laughs> 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 okay, right. <laughs> Ron has heroically attempted to throw a business card only to make it land in the front row. So, anyway, um, but um, virtually all of the people assigning work um, are going to be carrying business cards at Paizo or can provide you an email address. Um, and we also have several of our uh, managers' email addresses on uh, online. Uh, so you can always contact them and say, I would like to do this. And then Adam Daigle will contact one of us and be like, hey, so I got this person that I've never heard of. Uh, you got some work for this? And then we'll pass it along. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can contact us by those means. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh. So, oh, yeah. What's your age requirements? Um, I don't know of any legal concerns about people under 18 writing for us, but I will emphasize I don't know of any concerns. Um, that is something I'd have to speak with several other folks at the company about. Um, that is the age that I assume would be the issue. Right. Um, it's a good question, yeah. Uh, but I can, yeah, we can investigate or you can uh, contact... Uh, several of us, and then we can sort of investigate it further and then mm -hmm. have the means of sending you that information in response. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so with that, I'm going to see about wrapping things up. Again, we will be, I assume, I didn't see a, a panel right after us, but uh, we'll probably see about migrating toward the end of the uh, hall where the stairs are. So if you want to talk to us further, we'll be in that general direction. And uh, great having all of you. Hope to hear from a bunch of you. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. Thank you.